that's a really common perception amongst Māori. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of work with Māori around the country um, looking at media issues. And that tends to be what they say. So they're saying, you know, we're being attacked. Um, do I believe that the profile is real? Um, yes, I do. So consistently, um, in terms of deaths of children in New Zealand for the last 20 years, half of those every year have been Māori kids. We kind of can't argue with that, that hard fact. And that means that, that yes, we will be in the media more um, around this issue because consistently it's uh, Māori children who are killed. Far, far more than any other group. But is it important, Anton, to understand why that happens? Yeah, I think that absolutely we we um, we need to understand why. And I mean, the interesting thing about that profile is that prior to the 1980s, there was no statistical difference between decimated kids and other and other groups of children. So, you, I think we can clearly link this new evolution um, to socioeconomic factors. So what happened in the 80s was that, um, you know, we moved to a free market economy. A lot of the industries that employed our people, traditionally employed our people, disappeared. So manufacturing, forestry, freezing works, all, all those jobs went. And um, this is when we see this escalation in the deaths of Māori children. And there was another spike in the 1990s of deaths of Māori kids, and, and again, that was around the time um, of Ruth Richardson's budget, where she reduced uh, benefit rates. So I think there's a clear link between uh, poverty and um, child abuse for Māori. Um, so we know that, and we you know we can analyse it in terms of colonisation, all those things. Yeah, I mean, you could even go back further. Oh, yeah. Hey, like Second World War, even further, colonial yes. times. I mean, yeah. we're all a result of... Mm. those happenings as well. Mm. When, you, when you take people's land and language away from them, you absolutely you, you do them over. And the profile of Indigenous people all around the world is depressingly consistent. So high rates of um, violence, lots of uh, drug and alcohol um, use and dependence, high smoking rates and poor health. So, you know, we know why. I guess... Um, uh, what I'm really interested in now, the next question is how? Yeah. How, do, how do we change how do we, it? How do we change it? How yeah. is Mana Lidiki, yeah. the organisation that you're part of, how how is your organisation helping to change that? Yeah, so, well, so for, um, we're just basically applying a social marketing model to the problem. So there are other... It, it, on one level, it's very complex. On another level, I actually believe it's easily solved. And we can see change quite quickly. And um, we've seen it in other areas of Māori public health, like smoking, which was our smoking rates used to be up around 60%. Um, you know, and in the space of 20, 25 years, we've seen a reduction well below 50%. And that's because of sustained investment in communications, Awahi Kore smoke-free um, communications, um, big government investment in support services for quit services um, and changes to legislation. So I believe we just need to use that same template and apply it to the issue of uh, Māori family violence and child abuse. Um, um, and so we've just been chipping away at, at doing that. So over the last six years we've, um, we've talked about the issue in the media, so we've raised awareness 
and um, awareness is now high, and now we're focusing on changing behaviour in Māori families. And we're doing that in a number of ways. One is we've developed a Māori parenting model, and we deliver um, parenting training all around the country. Um, that's a positive parenting model, so parenting without violence. Um, we've also got uh, a radio show on Iwi Radio, which Owen Gutenbill and his wife uh, host, and that explains um, the parenting model. And most recently, we've partnered with the Aotearoa Reggae All-Stars um, in terms of um, the single Sensitive to a Smile, which they've made to raise awareness of Māori child abuse. And that's been really interesting over the last couple of weeks um, with that work because that's taken our communications into a whole other sphere, um, particularly in terms of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, hugely important in terms of reaching young Māori. And it's a song that we've just heard, yes. which has become hugely popular Yeah, and was hugely popular even when we were kids. And it was number two on the top 40 um, hmm. last weekend. You know, so hopefully by this weekend, by the time um, this interview um, goes to air, it'll be number one. So, Anton, working at that level is is, is required mm. legislatively, mm. but you can't be in a home 24-7. No. No, you can't. And the challenge is that, you know, the most, the most difficult Māori families, the families who um, abuse and kill their children... Um, tend to be isolated uh, from helping services, from whānau, from um, traditional support structures. So how do we reach those families? And I believe it's through the media. So I um, had a first career in social work, worked for Child Youth and Family for 14 years. Um, you know, um, I've done that hardline, frontline work. Um, almost every family I can think of had a big TV, you know, and it's like, those are people who may not go, never go to a marae, probably wouldn't come to a parenting course, but we can beam messages into their home. And I believe that, that that's the way that we'll see uh, um, large-scale change. Because there's a myth, isn't there, that Māori still can find some connection back to home. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it's... Um, and it's going to magically save everything. Yeah, yeah, and that's and 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 that's true for some people, but it's not true for everyone. And um, certainly, um, you know, research by Massey University shows that um, social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter, have become increasingly important um, spaces for young Maori, where they find out about themselves and where they reconnect with culture. Um, so, you know, the media, social media—that's our new marae. That's where we. Uh, debate issues and, and get information about things. Oh, it's how I learned about different tangihana. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the kids are on there straight away. That we, you, it may not even be confirmed that so-and-so's died, but the kids are already on there going, so-and-so's died. Totally, yeah. Yeah, it's like, jeez. Mm. Yeah, I watch my niece, who's 19, um, you know, at university, and she is watching TV, she's on her iPad, and she's on the phone, and it's all working together. The whole time she's caught in this kind of communications loop, so um, yeah, very, very important. And it makes sense. Eh? I mean, when you look around the world at Arab Spring, yeah, and how vital a role social media played there. Mm. I mean, are you looking at a revolution of sorts here? Yeah, I think I, it's interesting. We've come so far, and I was kind of thinking, you know, there's a new level that we need to push through to, and um, this 
this gift that dropped into our lap, the Aotearoa Reggae All-Stars, really gives me a glimpse of what's possible. And um, so Tash Gutenbeel, who's, you know, um, Arwen's wife, she's helping us with our communications. She really understands that whole world. And I think what we're doing is we're building a much more consistent um, and provocative presence in that space. And I expect that to grow um, over the next 12 to 24 months. Ultimately, I believe we need ads on television. Mm. That's how you get the big cut through. Um, but, you know, we're just chipping away in, in, in small bites and working towards that. So how did it come about, the whole thing with the single? Um, so there were um, two... Uh, came about through two uh, Māori musicians, Rio Panapa from Sons of Zion and Avina Kele Kolio from Tomorrow People. And... Um, they were aware of, you know, the profile for Māori and Pacifica and wanted to do something to raise awareness. I mean, we're talking young fellas here, right? We are. I know, it's amazing. So they just, yeah. what, sitting around going, oh, we need to, and then it just yep. happens. It just happens. And for me, where I, you know, spend a lot of time um, debating this issue with uh, professionals and Māori leaders, who, a lot of who don't want to see the problem. What I realised when these young men did this is that generation, they get it. Yeah. They get the message, and that's our new communications channel. And, um, you know, they get the message and they, they want to do something and about it's it. it's fast. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's so, they don't um, sit around in a hui for five days trying to figure it all it. out. They just do it. They do it, <laughs> and, they, and they get the whole... They get, you know, they understand brand, they understand yeah, yeah. media... Um, it's amazing. So now, effectively, what we've got is we've got young men, young Māori men, talking to young Māori men. And young Māori men are often the target for yes. negative media messages yeah. around young Māori men behaviour. Yeah. So, you know, and I think when we do these things, um, people respect it. You know, like I, you know, Pākehā New Zealanders, they're concerned about Māori kids. And my experience in terms of dealing with those people is um, they've only ever been supportive. And when we take responsibility, you know, and lead an issue like this, people So are by the, where you're talking Māori? Māori, yeah. Yeah, they are there to support us. They're, they're cheering us on. And I guess it's with that whakaro that you approach becoming a member of the Glen Inquiry. Mm. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you know, when the inquiry was first convened, I saw this opportunity, um, particularly with the large number of Māori experts that were involved. So from memory, there were a dozen of us. But there's like a 38-person panel. I know, it's big, That's isn't it? huge. It's big, isn't it? I mean, it's not as huge as a, as a hui. Right. Like when you're at home. But yeah. that is still a lot of people. I mean, which is making me think, effectiveness. I just think it was an incredible amount of expertise in one project. And in terms of the Māori dimension of it, um, you know, it was really amazing to be part of um, that group of experts. You know, all of us very, very passionate about the issues. Everybody on the same page. Everybody on the same page, um, you know, have developed expertise over the years in the issues. So that was a major attraction for me to be part of the project. Mm. Well, when you put it like that, it sounds like it, would have, it was very exciting. It was really, really exciting to have that many Māori gathered around um, this issue. So in terms of what ha what's happened over the last few weeks, it's really, really disappointing. 
Yeah, I mean, when did the doubts start creeping in, eh? I think, you know, I mean, I resigned um, last weekend. That was precipitated by, um, you know, the what we found out about Sir Owen's history in Hawaii. Um, but it had been on my mind for a while because um, what I sensed with the inquiry was that there was a commitment to um, produce a blueprint for action. Uh, I didn't sense any long-term commitment to um, be involved in and resource activities. And, you know... Hold it, though. I mean, we're talking a lot of money here, though. I mean, $89 million, did mm, you say? So mm. wouldn't that have... That, well, that's what I hoped. Contributed to some kind of action? I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, well, that's what I hoped. Mm. And I mean, you know, I guess all of us, you know, looked at it and saw resourcing that, um, you know, is very difficult to come by. Um, so, uh, you know, and so the commitment was to develop the blueprint. I didn't sense any long-term commitment to remain involved in the issue. And, um, you know, for something like Māori family violence, uh, you know, we're looking at a couple of generations yes. of change. and. You know, mana ririki, we're in for the long haul. And um, so it was on my mind well before any of these events. Native Americans talk about how it takes seven generations, mm. seven generations to affect change. I, I think you can do it in, I, I actually think you can do it in one or two. And again, I come back to the example of um, smoking. Mm. Um, another really simple example that um, has happened very quickly is the whole uh, melanoma awareness. So, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, we all got sunburned. Well, if you're like black. my father, yeah. he, he um, used to douse us with Johnson's baby oil. Totally. And we used to lie on the concrete and yeah. sizzle like sausages. Totally. And Dad thought he was doing us a favour because he's protecting our skin. Mm. But basically, we got so black. Mm. It's a wonder we... we um, I mean, I'm laughing about it now, thinking about us sizzling on that concrete. Yeah, frying, frying your children. Oh. That's effectively what you were Love doing. Love your dad, though. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I was raised up in the same era. I mean, mm. if you saw a sunburned child now, that'd be tantamount to child abuse. That all happened through the Cancer Society um, during regular media releases over summer. So that was, was totally um, media-driven. Now, Anton, do you have examples of a whānau that's turned it around? Well, what, what we're finding with our parenting um, training, which providers around the country are, um, are running... What the evaluation is showing is that um, the training is six um, hours long, six sessions long, um, and the model is based on pre-colonial Māori parenting values. And the central belief is that children are perfect. That's the core belief. And what we're finding from the evaluation is that parents are saying, not only did... I changed my parenting behaviour, but the course changed me. Because I think to believe that about your child, you actually need to embrace that perfection in yourself. Mm. So that's number one. The second thing that they're saying is that uh, one of our parenting tips is don't sweat the small stuff, you know. If they're not hurting anyone, let it go. And they're saying, uh, what participants are saying is, because I feel better about myself, I find it way easier to let that stuff go now. And that's the biggest... Um, for them, that's the, the most important technique is don't sweat the small stuff. Let it go. But then if 
poverty is having such a huge impact mm. on somebody's ability to parent well. Mm. I mean, those are external factors, mm. and it doesn't look like there's any relief coming soon for our poor mm. Māori whānau. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's scary, and not, not only for Māori, for Pacifica as well. So, um, you know, over half of the 270,000 New Zealand children living below the poverty line are Māori and Pacifica. Those populations are growing, they're swelling. So, you know, in 20 years, 40% of New Zealand children will be Māori and Pacifica. Um, so what we've got developing is this massive brown underclass. Um, and I agree with you that if we're really serious about tackling this problem, um, we need to address um, the, the kind of um, structural issues around poverty. And that's why we're always in conversation with government about these issues. Um, but in the immediate term... Um, you know, should we be letting poor people hit and kill their children? Absolutely not. And um, that's why we've developed the parenting model. Um, it's really simple. Um, young Māori parents can understand it and embrace it and learn to parent without hitting. Now, does that um, rely on self-referral, that programme? It's um, it, The way it's running at the moment, so we've had about 900 providers around the country, so it's a train-the-trainer model, so... Um, and those providers are using um, our material, often alongside other parenting programs um, in the parenting training that they um, run. And those parents will be referred to those parenting programs by a range of um, social service agencies. Mm. Now, I'm interested in the pre-colonial treatment of children. Mm. Uh, was, was this stuff that came out of research, out yeah. of motiatea? We did... Um, uh, so. Uh, Auntie Helen Hart, who's our research and development manager, she did a, a completed literature review of pre-colonial Māori parenting practices and she looked at um, lullabies, birthing ceremonies and also read early European accounts of what they saw when they came. Sounding like Amsterdam's um, stuff as well. It, it is. <laughs> very, very, I mean, he, we were working on these issues at the same time. And um, she, there were two things that she found. One is that um, we didn't hit or insult our children because uh, we believed that they were gifts from the Ashua, so to insult them was to insult the gods. Um, and secondly, the really interesting thing for me was that parenting was quite gendered, so men took responsibility for raising the boy children and lots of accounts of these tattooed warriors um, carrying these boy children around with them. So... Um, and yeah. would there also have been uh, multi-generational shared parenting? I mean, yeah, totally. we lived in Papakainga, so, yeah. you know, you lived with your nannies and your koroa and mm. your uncles and aunties and your cousins. Yes, and, and often the observers couldn't tell who these children belonged yeah, to. Because they belonged to everybody. They belonged to everybody. And that, that was, you know, that's right into the 20th century. So um, um, anthropologists like Eric Schwimmer, saw the same behaviour in rural Māori communities in the 30s and 40s. So, yeah, very collective parenting. Uh, children were, um, you know, it was free from violence. Uh, children were given freedom to explore and grow. Um, so a very kind of kind, indulgent way of parenting children. So on what, what we're continuing to work on is this year um, we hope to finish a study of uh, Māori child abuse, so we're interviewing a small sample of Māori teenagers who survived childhood maltreatment and looking at 
getting their perception on how it's impacted them in a range of different spheres like relationships, schooling, um, and identity. Um, I mean, when you talk this way, Anton, I mean, throughout our whole corridor, all I can really focus on is just how healing mm, this is. Mm. The whole approach that Manarireki is taking yes. with this with this take, you know, this is this is healing. It is healing, and it's interesting. I've interviewed, um, so I'm interviewing the teenage boys with another therapist. And, um, you know, those boys were really, we've only interviewed two, but both of them were really ready to tell their story. And um, the boys were interesting. They both had a strong sense of um, that it wasn't them, you know, that they'd been subjected to the, uh, that something had been done to them. So they didn't take any responsibility, which I thought was a really healthy sign. The other interesting thing about the boys is that in terms of therapy, they didn't really understand the point of counselling and therapy. Um, what they enjoyed was more activities-based stuff. And this is why we're doing the study, to find out, okay, you know, are the interventions that are being developed, do they work with Māori kids? And if not, um, you know, what do we need to look at? You know, um, I was just thinking about, you know, the violence that I've seen during my lifetime, which has ranged from language, mm. seeing how uncles talk to their children, mm. And it wasn't until I grew up as an adult, it was like, hey, that's, that's actually not normal mm. to talk that yeah. way yeah. to your kid or to talk that way to kids. And, mm. you know, as an adult, I've intervened and mm. in things like that, as well as um, physical mm. altercations. But, I mean, that's happened with me being outside of that that world and moving in and out of that world. Mm. Just the levels of violence that can occur to a from language mm. to the emotional to the physical. I mean, mm. we always hear about the physical, but there's also mm. the yeah that emotional stuff that's very damaging too, eh? It's totally damaging, and you're right, a lot of violence is carried in language, you know, and there's a lot of name-calling of mm. children, you know, dick, dummy, idiot, those things are really damaging I mean, you children. see that a lot on social media too. Mm. I mean, already I've intervened with a cousin getting bullied mm. on, on Facebook and I, mm. I was growling to kids saying, you know, don't talk to him like that. Yeah, and <laughs> and I think, you know, like to, you describing your interventions, that's a really brave thing to do and it's actually really difficult to intervene in other people's parenting, but you're doing exactly what we should all be doing. Um, you're sharing in the responsibility for children um, and you're taking responsibility for intervening when you see stuff that's not health, healthy or helpful. Because I guess in some of the more high-profile cases of kids dying, Anton, there's always the insinuation in the statement or whatever made that people in the whānau knew. Mm. Oh, Definitely. So, I mean, how do you give courage to people who maybe aren't as brave mm. to step in and intervene? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that that came up actually with baby JJ, who was the last one um, killed at Orake by his stepfather. You know, that CYF had gone in, child youth family had gone in, and the adults had closed ranks. And that's, that's deviant behaviour. But it's also about, I mean... In a wider community, people know the kids that are getting hidings. Mm. Mm. In, a, in a rural community where everyone's related, mm. 
you know the kids that are having a rough time at home. Mm. You know, one nanny may overcompensate by having that child with them all the time, you know. Mm. So people do their do what they can within their means to assist the situation, mm. which can end up enabling something, right? Yes. You don't really fully address what's going on. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of fear attached to it. You know, to intervene in somebody's parenting, it's it's difficult, it's hard. Um and but beyond doing that and and um, developing those behaviours which you describe in yourself, which I think are amazing, the next step also for Māori is you know we have to report serious stuff to child, youth, and family and the police. And I think that's really difficult for us because we're innately suspicious of those agencies. Yeah. And particularly with the families that we've um, that you know that we've been describing, they've probably had multiple interventions. Multiple and negative mm. interventions mm. Um, for a long agencies. time. Yeah. So, you know, going into those situations, you are dealing with layers of um, history, dysfunction and denial. Yeah, so really tricky. So would it be beneficial if there was a Māori version of that? Māori version of child, youth and family? Mm. I mean, this is the, the debate. Would Māori want that responsibility? You know, would, I mean, look, Tuhoi just signed a, just signed a mm, settlement talking mm, about setting up our own hauora. Having, mm, it could well be that we do end up doing that. I mean, Tamati Kruja actually said, no more Tuhoi kids and SIFs. Mm, I mean, that's a big statement to make, eh? which means that you mm, take over that responsibility. Mm. Um, would they want to, though? Would they want to be policing Māori child abuse? It's hard work. And, uh, you know, in a modern democracy, I mean, we all acknowledge that ultimately that's the role of the state. That's why we have the state, is to um, protect the most vulnerable. And I think, you know, for Iwi to take on that role, that creates a completely different relationship uh, between Iwi and the people, because you become local surveillance. But then, Surveillance yeah, and monitoring. That's there are indigenous requires. examples of... Mm. In the states, with Native Americans mm. taking over their own justice system, I mean, this is just another arm of it. Yeah, I think it's 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 much more challenging than justice, though. It's hardcore. You're talking about having to take um, babies off families. You know, at the hard end, that's what you're doing. And do you ever want to do that? <laughs> 